and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops, I'm your host, and today I'm very excited to bring you an interview with author Lori Wright. Lori, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. So, Lori, you are the author of the Mindful Mantras uh, children's book series, um, which is doing incredibly well and it's uh, I, I first heard about you on uh, the self-publishing formula podcast they had a great episode um, I think it was episode 128 if anyone wants to go check out the self-publishing formula podcast it's I always recommend it um, you've been very knowledgeable very helpful to others and um, I'm very excited for you to, to share with us a little bit more about your your books and your series thank you um, can you tell people just to start out with just a little bit about your children's books and what they're like Sure. So I started my career as a kindergarten teacher. And over the course of 10 years, what I noticed more and more was kids coming to class, um, struggling with what I call learned helplessness. And so even though I haven't been a teacher for 10 years, whenever I talk about this with other teachers, there's a lot of head nods and day home providers, things like that. So it's still an issue. And, you know, I, I chalk it up to... Um, most parents are incredibly busy, busier than they've ever been, and to get things done faster and easier in the right way, they just do everything for their kids. And so it's not intentional, um, but the kids end up in kindergarten and at school not knowing what to do when they have a problem. Mm-hmm. So they don't, it doesn't matter that, you know, they'll be right or successful in solving the problem. It, uh, they won't even try. They won't even attempt. So that's that helplessness. They think that they're helpless. So when I was teaching, I had the idea, the inspiration, uh, you know, to help with that. I went home and wrote the book. And after I wrote the book, I was very proud of myself for about a day, at which point I realized I had no idea what to do next with it. This was just sort of pre-Kindle, you know, pre-really internet exploding and all that, mm-hmm. pre-Facebook. Um, and so a quick Google search, you know, really didn't have very many answers, at least not very good, easy ones. So I filed the book away and for about 10 years did nothing with it. Mm. And a few years ago, um, you know, I sort of discovered online courses, which um, expanded my world exponentially. And one of the courses I took was in self-publishing. And so, mind blown, (laughs) I uh, I immediately got to work from that. Was that the question? What was the question? Yeah, it was just the background background a little bit. It's it's wonderful background on you. And then, yeah, how about the books themselves? What what got you into this particular series? So the uh, the I called the book I can handle it the very first book and it's a mantra. So um, at the end of every page, you know, there's the main character who ended up being my first son's name. So Sebastian has a problem, and at the end of every page, he says, "Oh, I can handle it." You know, and at the end, it's all the tricky emotions, so frustration and anger and sadness and tired and all that stuff. Um, but he says, I can handle it. It doesn't matter what emotion I have, I can handle it. Hmm. And it really resonates with a lot of parents, counselors, teachers. And I've uh, since written six more, and they're all just different mantras. So I will be okay. I will try. I was inspired by my daughter who, you know, would do the arms crossed, pouty face, lay on the floor, whatever. You know, I'm not even going to try kind of thing. And that one's also really resonating with a lot of parents. And, um... And yeah, so that's the idea. And it seems like that mantra idea, the, re- 
the repetition, it really sticks in their brains and it, it really sticks in there, it becomes positive self-talk and they end up, you know, saying it. So my kids are my test subjects often and my daughter was um, five and her little brother was two when it first came out and, you know, I could hear her saying, it's okay, you can handle it, Max. Or she would say to me, it's okay, mom, this happened, but I can handle it. So it really does stick in their brain. It really does work. And I noticed when looking through the intros to the, the beginnings of the books that you, you not only present them with problems, but they have multiple solutions. And I, it yes. seemed like a really interesting format for um, them to not only address the issue one way, but realize that they have options in, in ways to handle their problems. Yes, um, exactly. That seemed like a, a really fantastic format. Thank you. Um, the... When I hear mantras and I hear mindfulness, I, I usually think of sort of like a almost Buddhist way of, of looking at things. Is that, was that uh, in any way a, a influence on it or just you were just kind of come up with the idea of a mantra as something that's repetitive? That's exactly, yeah. It, not religious-based at all, although some people assume that like you do and uh, don't give it a second thought. But mindfulness is huge in schools and education these days, and it's uh, super important in my opinion. And the idea of the mantra, that was just the best word that fit for the mm -hmm. repetitive phrase. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and so, so you, you discussed learned helplessness or the idea of um, combating that um, and you said this is something that you said obviously came from your own your own children, but also as a kindergarten teacher. Um, for people who are kind of you know researching a topic, maybe write a children's book about how much research do you think that you did going into this beyond your own personal experience to try to um, before you started this, where you felt felt like you wanted to, to write this book? Um, I didn't do much. <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, it, you know, I went home one day after school and I literally wrote the first, uh, you know, the first draft anyway of the book. So it has since been edited and changed multiple times. But now I sit at the pool and I watch my daughter struggle in swimming lessons. My poor daughter. It's all about her, right? And I sit there with the pen and the pen. Like, oh, that's good stuff right there. And, uh, you know, sometimes my kid, my friends tell me about their, their kids' stories. Um, but I have three kids. So I have like all the research material I need here in my house. I don't do much else. I think I think some of it's um, kind of obvious, like just, you know, depression is, an, is a, almost a crisis right now. Anxiety in children is a crisis. So I just, I use that. I, I do a lot of reading, but um, I don't consider it research. I'm interested in it, so I, so I just do it. Mm. For people starting out, um, do you have any advice about that, about choosing your topics? carefully as far as how, I mean, because it may be something that you're interested in personally and you want to write about, but in terms of actually making it successful, what's your, what's your advice for, for writers that way? For sure. I always say, you know, there's how many books on Amazon? Um, you know, like 8 million. So it can't just be a cute, fluffy bunny story. And yes, there's fantastic stories with fantastic illustrations. You need to address a problem, and you need to sell that that solution to parents and teachers and counselors. So there's a plethora of problems out there that you can address, and you can wind in, you know, whatever your personal passion is, too. If you have a real interest in superheroes or turtles or, mm -hmm. you know, dinosaurs. Kids love dinosaurs. So um, I always say, you know, do your research on the playground and talk to parents and look at the kids, go to the classroom and you'll have plenty of ideas that are 
current mm. and like hot for a better for a better lack of a better word a hot topic so yeah. i think that's a, a great way to address the uh profitability so if you're looking to not only write a good book have good illustrations all that but also be profitable you really have to solve a problem for people i think that's an, an unusual situation for a lot of authors that in a you're kind of bridging you know self-help non-fiction with fiction in that you're telling a story hopefully in a fun way that the that the child is going to enjoy um which is you know fictional but you're also it's a it's a helpful scenario um do you think that do you think that cert, well obviously you're talking about what's what's relevant to to each parent but um as far as, as far as moral um, values, do you think that this is um, sort of a, a strong market? How do how do parents sort of approach this? Is like finding the right morals for, to teach their their kids. Have you thought about that? Um, I haven't really. I think more about what what problem is a parent going to be googling. Mm. You know okay. what I mean? So it might not necessarily be a moral that they're you know how to help my child be honest. Maybe they mm. are, but. Um, but all kids' books generally have a moral. Mm -hmm. So if you already have a kids' book out there, you can really hone in on what your moral or your value is that, you know, the lesson of the story. Mm -hmm. And then you could market it to that. But I try to think, what are people going to be Googling for? Mm. And there are, you know, if you, like bullies. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. Um, speaking of mindfulness, maybe mindfulness. Mm -hmm. um, playing outside, you know, the technology, get unhook yourself. Those are all things I think parents will actively be googling yeah and so more so than the moral aspect those those yeah. issues that are keeping them up at night as a parent you know like where am i feeling where am i going wrong how can i do better that's good to know um yeah because i think that's an interesting you know as someone probably just starting out to writing a book and you know and trying to come to terms with what, what am i how much am i trying to teach versus how much am i telling story what's kind of the ratio of of entertaining book for the child versus weighty moral or you know instructional topic do you feel like you have to find a balance there with your writing uh absolutely i definitely try to be funny i run mm, it past okay. my kids i run it past my husband <laughs> and i always ask my illustrator every book i'm like it's got to be funny it's got to be funny so yeah. the first story has a a hedgehog sidekick and mm -hmm. he says funny things and does funny things and i think that keeps it light mm -hmm. for parents and for kids yeah. for kids i should say um and and it's silly, so I actually get some bad reviews about the silliness, and people are taking my silly suggestions way too seriously. Yeah. But that's what appeals to the kids. The kids right. enjoy that, right? So because yeah. if they don't yeah. want to read it, they're not going to learn anything, right? Well, that's the parents, but the kids want to read if it's going to be fun, <laughs> funny to read, and the parents yeah. want them to learn something. So yeah, you do yeah. have to be careful for sure. Like satisfying two different readers at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to talk about illustration because uh, obviously having a good relationship with an illustrator and having a good illustrator is a huge part of a successful children's book. What was that process like for you of, of finding an illustrator, having a relationship with an illustrator? So that was the hardest for me. When I started out, I thought, I cannot draw. <laughs> what am I going to do? Where do I go? Again, um, at the very beginning of this, it was 10 years ago, so um, the internet and all the new fancy things uh, just weren't a thing then. So long story short, I heard somebody talk and he suggested the website Fiverr, mm -hmm. which is five 
you know, F-I-V-E-R-R. Mm-hmm. And it's a really cool place. It's, it's similar to Upwork if people are commit, uh, familiar with that. But um, people go and offer their services at a reduced rate. Oftentimes, it's what they do during the day. They're making more money. Or maybe it's their passion on the side. Mm-hmm. Or for some of them, if they do it full time. So it's uh, an overwhelming website. You can lose hours of your life looking at just the offerings and having your mind expand. Like people do this, people offer this. But um, I I found somebody there. So what I did was a it's called a gig request. Mm-hmm. So I put you know I have a twenty four page children's book. Um, I don't remember what I said now, but you can put your timeline. Your, you can put your, your price. I don't know that I would because somebody might come in lower, so mm-hmm. you don't want to be bumping it up. Um, and I had about five people respond to the request. No, actually, I probably had about 30, and I was able to eliminate probably 20, I would say, uh, just not appropriate or more comic book style or just didn't sit well with me for what I had envisioned. Mm-hmm. And... For about five of them, I ordered a sample. So I sent them all the same page of the book and paid the money and chose from that. And Mm. what I was so lucky enough to have was um, an illustrator who's in France, and she's wonderful. She's very happy to keep doing all these books as long as I keep writing them, and I think she's really talented. So she's easy to work with. You know, we've never met. We just talk online. And it's it's worked out so well. So knock on wood that I'm so lucky. Yeah, that's fantastic. I've heard various illustrators and authors kind of go into different types of arrangements as far as profit sharing, things like that. Did you just pay for everything up front and then yeah. go yeah. that? Do you so recommend that we route? Were kind of, we were bound by how Fiverr works, which mm. is uh, commission this work deliver the work, here's the payment. Actually, mm-hmm. I think I pay for it. Pay for it, yeah. uh, prove it, or ask for revisions, and then you accept it, and that's it. It's yours. Okay. So we were really bound by that arrangement. So in the beginning, when I was so, so new, I didn't know any other way. I just did it that way. She was experienced, so she told me what to do, mm-hmm. and that's how we did it. So I certainly heard of the other arrangements, but I don't have experience with them. Mm. Well, it's seen, I mean, obviously, books have been very successful, so I'm sure it's it's worked out in your benefit to just sort of pay a la carte for services and and then handle your own marketing, <laughs> unless you have a partner that's going to be, you know, fronting advertising money, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I, I thought, did, does your second book have a different illustrator? It did, yes. <laughs> How, um, what was that so situation like? I'm in Canada. Mm-hmm. And there's a really cool contest to put on here where uh, the TD Canada Bank gives a book to every grade one student across Canada once a year. And I was desperate to apply to this contest. This was probably two years ago. Hmm. And so I, I tried hard to find a Canadian illustrator that I liked, that I could afford. Some of them mm-hmm. I absolutely could not afford at that time. Um, my books still weren't really selling. So I, I was going ahead and I was doing it anyway, but... Um, yeah, so he has very colorful illustrations. It's a bit of a different style. And I was very new to um, contracts and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, it, it doesn't matter, but that's that was the reason why I did it. So I entered the contest. I won't find out still, I think, for another year. Like they were so backlogged with all the books entries that they received that mine will be I think 2020 if it were to win that's the year of competition that it will be in so wow 
um, I don't give it too much thought anymore, but that was why I did that. You know, it was just one of those things. It was a goal. I felt like I had to enter, um, and so I did. And then what, in the end, I really liked the simplicity mm-hmm. of Anna's illustrations. Mm-hmm. So even though Dave's were super colorful, I loved the watercolor backgrounds, um, and he was great to work with. He was a super fun guy. But I just liked the simplicity in the way that she did it in the mm-hmm. end. the best. So that's why I went back to her. Do you have any um, experience with how that has affected your series overall, having not having a consistent uh, illustrator through the entire thing? Nobody's really said anything. Okay, that's good. So yeah. I, I can't tell you. My first book, I can handle it. It definitely sells the best, but it's been mm-hmm. out for the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a couple of ads that really took off for that, which is sort of what I attribute the, the sales to, and then it all just combines, right? Your ranking goes up, so then people see it more organically and, and all that, and then the reviews, lots of reviews because it's been seen more. So um, so I Matter is the second one that you're talking about with a different illustrator. It's not the second best-selling. Mm. It seems like um, my books with boys sell better. So I'm going to test that for the next book coming out. Um, so I, so it's hard to say for sure. Nobody has come out and said it, and it's not selling the worst. So I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's certainly a lot to test as far as who your who your target market is. I'm sure there's a lot to figure out. Um, Marilyn comments says that oh we got looks like someone she's seeing us frozen in the video so um, maybe if anyone else is watching if you want to leave a comment let us know if you can see us okay or not um, and how the sound is doing all just combined um, hopefully hopefully it'll all work itself out here but um, I'll also take the moment to encourage anyone um, listening or watching if you have questions for Lori if you have um, things that you would be interested in knowing about. Uh, children's books and, and writing them. If you have questions, feel free to throw them up uh, either now or if you're watching the replay. And Lori said she'd be happy to to check on and uh, answer those questions for you. So don't be shy about asking your questions. Um, so um, I'm curious about how you, you said that you know different books sell at different rates, and you said initially that. Um, Back when, for example, when you were writing book two, the book wasn't selling that well. What changed? What do you think was the catalyst for these books suddenly becoming so successful? 100% it was the AMS ads. Hmm, okay. So I was in um, a group for writers called 20 Books to 50K, which I'm still in. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy in there named Brian Meeks who mm-hmm. loves data. <laughs> more yep. than anything else I think in the whole world yep. and he has he had taught himself the AMS ad system mm-hmm. and he was kind enough to share it with everybody and then he wrote a book mm-hmm. and he asked for sort of a beta group of people to go through the book with him and give him feedback as he wrote it so it could really be the best book possible and as a children's author I thought eh, I'm not going to I'm not going to do an ebook. There's no point. Um, parents don't necessarily want their kids on their tablets more. And just me personally, I know that I don't want my kids on any electronics more than they already are. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think there was much point. But in the end, after being in the group and seeing people's success, I thought, well, you know, it's worth a try. Mm-hmm. And pretty much the day after I started running ads, the book started selling. So they went from selling a handful, you know, in six months to, um, you know, five a day, 10 a day, 20 a day, 30 a day, and it just kept growing, and it's still growing. 
So 100%, it's the abs. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Yeah, we did. We actually had Brian on the show, um, episode 29 was with Brian. So if anyone wants to listen to that episode, definitely uh, check, check yeah. out Brian's interview and, and his book, uh, which we discussed a little bit. But um, yeah, he, he definitely knows his stuff. Um, you touched on something that I think a lot of people starting out struggle with when it comes to children's books or the idea of writing a children's book is that the marketing is a little bit different and you're doing this as an independent author versus a traditionally published author. And because the sort of common knowledge seems to be that the sales are in, in print and the sales are in schools and then it's very, very difficult to um, you know, market as an indie or be a successful indie uh, children's book author. But you're living proof that that's not necessarily the case. So... Um, have you gotten some feedback about your ebooks and, and why they've been successful? I'm sure the ebooks are selling only because of the ads as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I offer them for free. I'm in Kindle Unlimited, so if mm-hmm. people buy the paperback, they can get the ebook for free. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, some kids really do like their tablets, so their parents let them have books on their tablets. Or if you're traveling or whatnot, mm-hmm. then, you know, that is a thing. But I really think as an independent author, we have. Um, we have so much potential, right? So mm-hmm. social media is a huge thing. Yeah. Google, right? People are Googling for issues with their kids. So if you're showing up in a Google search, it doesn't matter if you're in a bookstore or in a school or anything like that, they're going to find you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's been, I think, author earnings mentioned that you know even print books, 60% of print books are still being purchased online. So, um, mm-hmm. And I think 40% of that's on Amazon. So. Um, yeah. That's it's a huge market, and obviously, you know, reaching them. Obviously, you're using your ebook as as the tool to get it out there and advertise. Um, did, are, were you able to produce print books through KDP Print, or what? Who did you use for your print book manufacturing? That course that I took uh, two years ago from Jennifer Sparks. Um, mm-hmm. Kudos to Jennifer. Um, was just learning how to use CreateSpace. So mm-hmm. at the time, I used CreateSpace, and KDP Print wasn't a thing. Okay. So yeah. I love CreateSpace, and I'll stay there until they move me over. Yeah. <laughs> Should that come to fruition? <laughs> yeah, people talk about it, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. But I do know that uh, KDP Print will actually allows you to run ads directly to your paperback versus. Um, to your ebook yeah so that's i think i was wondering if that was something that you were you would consider switching over for just because you can run the ads directly to your paperbacks yeah oh that's interesting i have one coming out soon so maybe i'll try it um do you have uh for information for people who are kind of curious as to what the ratio is of ebook sales to print sales as a children's book author do you still see the majority of your sales in print or how's that working Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I sell um, about 200 a day paperbacks and mm-hmm. about 40 ebooks mm-hmm. on average. Mm-hmm. And page reads from Kindle Unlimited are, I'd say on average, maybe 1,000 a day. Yeah. My books are all about 24 to 28 pages. So. Yeah, so when you add, I mean, 1,000 a day doesn't sound a lot, sound like a lot for an average fiction writer who's writing a 500 page novel, but if you're writing a 24 page book, that's, that's a lot of pages. Yeah. Um, and numbers like selling 200 paperbacks a day is a astronomical number for most people to hit. Even just with a lot of fiction writers would love to be selling, you know, 200 books ebooks a day, let alone paperbacks. Um, what are some of the tips that you're using now with your 
AMS ads, what are some of the things that some specifics that have really kind of changed your trajectory? So um, again, I go back and credit Ryan, mm-hmm. Ryan Meeks. So in his book and in his course, because mm-hmm. I'm in his course as well, you know, it's all about the data. And he also really pushes proper copywriting, mm-hmm. which is different than what you use to write your book, right? right. So you have whatever it is, 140 characters to hook people. So um, on your book page, on your ads, wherever you're doing writing, you need to really be interesting. Mm-hmm. And people have the attention of, you know, a goldfish. So mm-hmm. You know, you can't put up a wall of text or a big blurb or a big paragraph. You need short, easy to, you know, read in a, in a second type sentences. And so I started using that right away because that was easy enough to do. And Brian says, download your data every day around the same time of the day. Look at it every day uh, and make smart decisions based on the actual numbers, not mm. guessing. I feel like this is doing well or I don't feel like it's doing well. Mm. So that's, you know, just treating it like it's serious business and I, I can't just set it and forget it. I have to pay attention to it and I have to put that, that legwork in. That's really helped. Yeah. And I think eight books, right? Like it's the 20 books to 50 K philosophy, which Mm -hmm. is the more you have, Mm -hmm. you know, the more you'll sell. So that's helped me because I have eight out now. Mm -hmm. I think that's a a huge part of it. I think volume is a big part of the game um, (laughs) for anyone's success and something that's become more and more, evident to me over the years. Um, do you think that being a children's book author, because you mentioned things like writing short, easy-to-read sentences to a target audience that has relatively short attention spans, do you feel like <laughs> the innate like writing of a children's book gives you better copywriting, naturally? Uh, no. No? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm practicing all the time with everything, so... I actually have a chapter book for kids, like early readers, 7 to 10. Mm-hmm. And so I do find myself using the copywriting skills in that. Like at the end mm-hmm. of every sentence, I'm trying to, um, you know, put a really interesting sentence so that they'll want to keep reading to the next chapter. So that I do. And maybe that's standard. Maybe everybody does that. But I just find myself really thinking about the sentences and leaving the spaces and trying to keep them turning the pages when I write that one. But yeah. my mantra books, not so much. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Do you have any particular copywriting uh, tips or things, especially specific to children's book authors, the things that work well for you as far as hooks that you can recommend? Uh, I really, I try to talk to the parents. Mm. So I say things, I try to describe, you know, like, does this happen in your house? Like, mm. um, is your four-year-old often arms crossed, face pouty, or, or something like that? Is You know, like, one of them I tried out, um, something like, Oh no! Another birthday part. Another birthday invitation has arrived in the mail. You know, dot dot dot. Oh no! Because of kids who can't handle that excitement yeah. and all those people. So I really try to appeal to them and describe exactly what they might be seeing. You know, like is your child starfishing on the floor mm. <laughs> more than five times a day? Like things that really do happen. And I just try to speak to them so that when they read it, they, oh yeah, that's me totally. Yeah. We want to keep reading. Do you find that you specifically, I mean, with AMS, I guess you're not specifically targeting um, genders necessarily, um, but do you, with other authors, are you specifically going after, so, okay, my books are very similar to these other types of books, yeah. et cetera? So my book's sort of main char- uh, category is emotions and feelings, mm-hmm. and so I target, you know, some people in there, Julia Cook and um, mm-hmm. 
uh, Cheryl Miner, I think her name is, and there's, you know, just quite a few in there, that new Dragon, Angry Dragon series, I can't mm-hmm. remember the author off the top of my head, but usually for each book, I do a manual keywords and a auto keywords, mm-hmm. and um, so I don't see the auto keywords, I don't know, and the manual I use a lot, so... Mm-hmm. It isn't just that, you know, one Julia Cook or anything, but they're definitely in there. Do you have any advice for for new children's book authors trying to find the right categories to put their books in and be competitive? Um, So what I learned early on is you can have your books in up to 10 categories. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's not so vital that you get the right category. So I have some in children's fiction, some in children's nonfiction, some in nonfiction for parents, nonfiction for educators, and it's mm. all the same book. So yeah. it's just about maximizing the exposure. So I don't dwell on just one category being the be-all and end-all. Yeah, well, I think that your books have found a really good sweet spot of, like I said, crossing over between this fiction, nonfiction parent-child yeah. relationship, I mean, problem-solving, um, it kind of yeah. does it all. <laughs> and, That's true, yeah. Yeah, which is, which is fantastic. You mentioned earlier on that you, you took a course, um, and you mentioned the, the name of the, the person who did the course, but what was the name of the course that you took? Um, so I was actually like a beta student in the course, and mm. she has um, changed it and tweaked it and grown it, and mm. um, not sure it's the same at all anymore. Her mm. name is Jennifer Sparks, um, and so she's got a whole thing going on. I can maybe post a link later, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the current name of her course is or anything like that. It was over okay. two years ago now. Gotcha. That's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, we won't. We won't send people to something that may or may not exist. Yeah, yeah. Just a shout out to her because she's the yeah. reason I'm here. I feel like one of the reasons. So. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, where do you see yourself going in the future? What's next for you? Um. Well, I, you know, I, I have a real passion for mental health and helping kids and mm-hmm. doing what I can to help children because I really do feel like that's an issue. But I've also really fallen in love with the business side of things. So, for example, I have, I just have them right here, so I'll show you. I had a doll made, which is my character from (laughs) the book. Yeah. Um, But then this is a whole big thing, right? So if you're ordering these made from China, you have to order 5,000, and then Mm -hmm. it's the whole issue of where am I going to sell them? How am I going to sell them? I'm I'm thinking about T-shirts. and I do courses to to help other authors. I was a teacher, like I mentioned. So mm-hmm. just my natural inclination is to teach and to help people. And, mm-hmm. you know, being a successful author has changed my life so significantly that I just really have that um, that urge to help other people and help change their lives as well because it's such a great feeling, obviously. So, Absolutely. so yeah, just exploring some different sort of business things that would be related to to the books and learning different, you know, you have, if you're talking about getting anything made in China, even if I, I'm looking into bulk printing hardcover copies, um, there's the production and then there's the shipping and then there's mm-hmm. the warehousing and it's all these things that I've been so lucky up until this point to avoid, right? Yeah. Using the print-on-demand, it's so yeah. simple and easy and so few headaches. You just have to sit back and look at your screen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and look at your numbers. You don't have to do anything. So so that is in the works for the future, and then I'll just sort of test and see what works for me and what doesn't. Yeah, that sounds smart. Um, well, we're kind of getting to the end of the half hour here. It's going to whiz by as I expected it would. But um, 
Where can people find more information about you if they're interested in learning more or um, you know, just finding out more about your book? Sure. So I have a website. It's lauriewriter.com. So L-A-U-R-I-E-W-R-I-G-H-T-E-R.com. And there's my books in there, and there's some info about self-publishing in there. Okay, fantastic. So lauriewriter.com, we will throw up a, a link to that in the, in the comments as well. Yeah, uh, and I'm on Facebook and Instagram and trying. I have love hate <laughs> relationship with social media like so many other people, right? So Yeah, I understand that very well myself. <laughs> yeah. So Well Lori, um it's really been a pleasure talking to you. I, I so much appreciate your, your time in coming on and, and chatting with us today. Um thank you so much and I hope to have you on again in the future. Yes, I'd love to. Thank you, Nathan. It's been fun. Alright, have a great day. Thanks, you too. Okay, we're off. Ha, <laughs>